Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. I was told that the guests that are here today minister in England, mm-hmm. and I said, that's Muslim North. <laughs> <laughs> but so I was sharing with Jay um, a story that my daughter told me. Um, there was a, uh, a man that was walking down the road in a Middle Eastern country, and he heard this baby crying, and he went and opened up the doors and got, you know, found out what was going on, and there was a... Um, a dead woman, a two-year-old, and a baby in this room, and the two-year-old was crying. And he said, "What's what's wrong?" He says, "Well, he says my daddy killed my mommy, and we've been down here for a long, long time." And um, the, uh, he said, "Well, how how did you manage? How did you stay alive?" He says, "Well, the." The man with the scars on his hand came to feed us, and this was on live radio, and they cut the feed right after that. But um, that woman had been dead 10 days, 10 days, and that baby was still alive, so I don't know if Jesus was feeding the baby or the baby was nursing anyway. But um, there are many stories like that coming out of the Middle East, which is exciting. You know, our prayers and targeted prayers for the 1040 window have been fruitful. I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people that have been ministering to that I, I just you know admire your stamina to you know that's the once they're saved they're wonderful <laughs> they're the most they're the most uh, zealous Christians and they're um, they go after the gifts they go after everything Jesus has and it's just precious to see but until you get them to that point they're kind of Yeah, so it's great to have Jeff and Constance Miller with us this morning, all the way from England. (laughs) Uh, So, I I think the Lord has mostly delivered us from being more interested in the machinery of gathering than His presence. And that's a really good thing, because that's, that's why we're here. So let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Mm. So did the Lord speak anything to anybody during worship that they need to share? Um, I forgot to share last week anything from the outreach that we did with the group from Casper during Frontier Days. Um, Friday night uh, we'd gone out uh, into the Midway uh, and then Saturday morning we went out into uh, the crowd at the parade uh, discovered that the parade crowd isn't really the most receptive 
and it's not really a, a great atmosphere to, to try to do an outreach because people are pretty focused and it's loud and uh, <clears throat> so uh, we got to pray for a few people and, uh, and it was good Saturday but Friday night was, was definitely better uh, the Lord uh, gave me some pretty specific clues um, for somebody uh, to find uh, and uh, you know you'd think a black hoodie a girl with long hair and a black hoodie with a, a white design would, would there'd be like a lot of those right well there was one uh, there was there were lots of black hoodies with like pink or silver uh, but there was only one with just a design and it wasn't words it was it was just a design and uh, so yeah I got to pray for her and then uh, the Lord gave me a couple words for her and uh, uh, it was, it was uh, very very good both her I think it, it was the lady and her kids and her mom that were together and uh, it's the first time uh, the group from Casper brought these uh, treasure hunt maps where you write down your clues and, and we're, Barbara's working on uh, some of those for us but it, it's amazing how that opened the door uh, that you could show people that, that you had written this down and, and yeah they match all of those things and then they're like, hmm, what is this about? <laughs> um, so yeah, both both her and her mom were, were really touched and, and were, were crying by, by the end of it. But uh, I think what, um, what Rob shared with us last week, we, we had some other missionaries here last week from Africa, and... Uh, he shared, one of the things he shared anyway was about how the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And uh, I think reinforcing the, the need for there to be uh, proclamation and demonstration, like Mark Wimber used to say, huh? <laughs> so I'm told, I, I never heard him say that. <clears throat> Maybe I did on a, a DVD or something. Uh, but I, I think, uh, you know, as, as we seek to enter the harvest fields, uh, we need to be much less shy about sharing the gospel. Uh, and we might be surprised how many more people we see come into the kingdom. That, that's what I got last week from from Rob. Um, also next week Joy and I and uh, Phyllis and Chris uh, are going to be gone at the conference in La Barge. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what do you guys want to do here while, while we're gone? Uh, you could uh, could have a fellowship meal again. We haven't 
done that for a while. <laughs> that, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can do that while we're here, too. <laughs> so think about that. We'll, we'll revisit that subject at the end, but you might have to remind me. I was reading this devotional this morning and God said, just share with everybody. He starts off with a scripture or with the title of today's reading was filled with a life. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. First Timothy 4.12 the Holy Spirit fell upon a young man outside a church. He went into the church where they were all very sedate. And any, if anything were to move in that church out of the ordinary, it would have to be extraordinary. This young man, with his fullness of life and zeal for the Master, started shouting and praising the Lord, manifesting the joy of the Lord. He distributed, he disturbed the old saints. In this church... Yeah, In this church, an old man was reading psalms quietly one day. It touched the young, spirit-filled man who was sitting behind him. And the young man shouted, Glory! Said the old man, Do you call that religion? The father of the young man was one of the deacons of the church. The other deacons gathered around him and said, you must talk to your boy and make him understand that he has to wait until he is established before he manifests those things. So the father had a long talk with his boy and told him that what told him what the deacons had said. You know, he said, you must be, you must, I must respect the deacons, and they have told me that you won't, they won't put up with your enthusiasm. You have to wait until you're established. As they neared their home. Their horse made a sudden and complete stop. The father tried to make it go forward or backwards, but the horse would not move for anything. What is up with this horse? asked the father of the boy. Father, replied the boy, this horse has gotten established. <laughs> I pray that we will not get established in that way. God, loose us from these critical, long-faced, poisoned countenances which have, haven't seen daylight for many days. Deliver us from acting in such a terrible way. We must have the reality of supernatural quickening until we are sane and active and not in any way dormant, but filled with life, God working in us mightily by His Spirit. Thought for today is, may the Lord save Pentecost from going to drop going to dry rot. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we, we just finished, uh, like two weeks ago, I think. Uh, we had been doing this for a few months and picking out two people. Uh, for everyone to pray for during the week and then give a prophetic word. Uh, and 
That was, uh, that was really a good exercise, wasn't it? I think everyone was encouraged. Everyone grew in the prophetic. Uh, it was, it was good. Uh, so, <clears throat> I, I feel the need to catch you guys up just a little bit. Uh, so, um, one of the things that, that I've really been, uh, seeking after from the Lord for for some time, maybe a couple of years, was really to have an understanding of what I would call the apostolic gospel, uh, the full gospel, as opposed to the gospel that is most often shared and known in, in this country, in this day and age. Uh, and, and I, I feel like uh, I, I've, I've finally got an understanding of it. Uh, so this this is what we're we're going after as as a group. Uh, you know, that as I understand it, uh, at this point, uh, the apostolic gospel has like three elements. Uh, the first element is uh, salvation uh, through faith in Jesus, uh, believing that He is the Son of God, that He paid the price for our sins on the cross, that we trust Him for the forgiveness of our sins, uh, for redemption, salvation. Uh, that's the part of the gospel that everybody knows. Uh, and we enter into that by faith. But the Lord also made provision, uh, not just for our sins, past, present, and future, that, that we commit, but he dealt with uh, our inclination to continue to sin uh, by killing our self-life, killing our flesh on the cross with Christ Jesus and and we enter into that the same way by faith uh, and and so but that has to be entered into in, in the same way that the first part of salvation is with an understanding and a uh, grasping uh, being becoming convinced of it and receiving it by faith and that releases the power of, of that element of it into our lives and then but there still remains a, a third element and, and that is the element that really releases power into our lives and you know most charismatic and Pentecostals understanding of of that is receiving a, a baptism with the Holy Spirit. But I, I don't think our understanding of that is uh, as it should be. Uh, so I, I would even rephrase the, the whole idea of it as um, <clears throat> the, the possibility of having the life of Christ fill us 
to the degree that it is his life that comes out. And that is only entered into as our self-life dies, uh, as, as we deny it, life. <laughs> uh, because the, the life of Christ Jesus can't share a body with any other life. If, if we're going to have the fullness of the life of Christ Jesus in us, then we must be emptied of our self-life. And, and that's the third element of the apostolic gospel. And uh, that's, that's what we see in the book of Acts. And, and that's when we see the power of God released. And uh, there, there have been places on the earth where groups of people have entered into that life. Uh, like Hernhut in, in Germany, the Moravians. Uh, and, and through, through them, uh, John Wesley entered into that same life and, and brought revival to, to England. Uh, and so I, I think that that's a, a possible life that, that's out there that also needs to be laid hold of by faith, but we enter into it a little at a time. As, as our flesh life is is denied preeminence <laughs> and more of the life of God comes comes in into us so uh, anyway if you if you have any uh, thoughts on that you, you can share them with me later but that's that's kind of that's that's where uh, we, we feel like that is the journey that the Lord has us on, is, is a journey into that fullness. Uh, so, uh, in, in light of that understanding, this message will, uh, will have a little more meaning. Because <laughs> the, the Lord was speaking to me this week about um, the condition of, of our hearts. Uh, and how, uh, if if we are to uh, lay hold of the life of Christ, if if that is to come forth in us, that has to be the desire of our heart, uh, because otherwise we're just not going to make it. So. That led me to uh, look at numerous, numerous passages in, in the Word that deal with the human heart. Uh, and I, I think as we look at some of these passages, we will gain insight into guarding our own hearts, keeping our own hearts, and even what we might pray that the Lord would do in, in our own hearts. Uh, so I'm going to go through these passages, and I think probably I will just copy my notes uh, 
for the email this week because there's just write down the things that really hit you uh, for for your own heart so the first passage in in the Bible where we find the, the Hebrew word heart is Genesis 6 and it's it's the story about Noah and it's it's insightful uh, about the human heart Genesis 6 starting in verse 5 and the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth I mean things were bad and it grieved him in his heart so the Lord said I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens for I am sorry that I have made them Fortunately, the story doesn't end there, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So, I think what what we get out of this passage is, is that the natural inclination of the human heart is toward evil. And, and that is our understanding. Uh, that... That's why our, our self-life, why our, our flesh, why our human nature needs to be redeemed. It's <laughs> uh, so why we need to be sanctified, why, why we need to become more, why we need to appropriate more of the life of God uh, in, instead of our own life. So, uh, the Hebrew word heart uh, is is lieb that's from that passage and it usually refers to some aspect of the immaterial self or being since the heart is considered to be the seat of one's inner inner nature uh, so that's uh, the word that we most often find in the Old Testament for translated heart uh, then another, I only have uh, like four passages from the Old Testament. So Proverbs 4, 23 uh, is, is a very important passage for us. Uh, in the, the Holman Bible, it's translated, Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. English Standard Version says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So, for the wise person, we were told with all diligence, with all vigilance, to manage our own heart. So guard what it is that's impacting your heart, what it is that's getting into your heart. 
guard what you let in to to your heart because the heart is is such a profound part of, of who we are um, and then in, in Jeremiah 17 it's another well-known passage uh, starting in verse 9 the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it I the Lord search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways according to the fruit of his deeds so the thing is we can be easily deceived by our hearts For, for the Lord to say that the heart is deceitful above all things and, and desperately wicked, some other translations say, uh, it, it needs needs something else, <laughs> something that isn't from the earth. It, it needs uh, the life of God to come forth and transform. Actually, what we need is a new heart. <laughs> We, we hear in Ezekiel. Uh, and the last passage I, I wanted to look at from the Old Testament uh, is uh, Psalm 24, starting in verse 3. Who will ascend the hill of the Lord, and who will stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Selah. So, having a, a pure heart, a clean heart, having a heart that is singular in, in its devotion is like the most important thing in life uh, because the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart soul, mind and strength and, and so that's the only way for that commandment to be fulfilled is for for a heart to be undivided in its devotion and, and focus. So going on to the New Testament, uh, starting in Matthew chapter five, verse eight. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And that's really just another way of stating what was in Psalm 24. Uh, who will ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And he who has a pure heart will, will see God because he ascends the hill of the Lord. And the understanding in, in the Greek... Uh, 
the Greek word cardia is uh, what's most often translated into English as, as heart. Uh, it is also the seat and center of the human life, uh, the seat of our desires, feelings, affections, passions. It, it's really uh, similar to our understanding of, of the soul, mind, will, and, and emotions. So Matthew chapter 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the heart is attached to what is considered treasure. And, and that's why we have to be careful what we allow in, into our heart. Because if we treasure the wrong things, it will take our heart in the wrong directions. Uh, then Matthew 11, starting in verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus uh, had a gentle and humble heart. But we also know that the heart can be full of pride. So you can have a humble or low, lowly heart, or you can have a proud heart that, that will become hard. And Jesus invites us to come to him and learn from him and learn to have a heart like his, because that is his desire. Okay, Matthew 13. And this is the passage where, where Jesus heals the man uh, on the Sabbath in, in the synagogue. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, with, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Now that's not the passage about the healing. That's a different one. This is when he's talking to the disciples after teaching the multitude, and explaining about parables. But the thing here is people's heart has grown dull. So, and as one who 
has taught in a, in a lot of different settings and a lot of different venues. Uh, as, as the teacher, you can see uh, quite often uh, whether the heart is dull or attentive. And the Lord definitely wants us to have an attentive heart, but we can cut ourselves off from revelation sometimes when we hear a familiar passage and, and our mind says, oh, I know that. And then, then we become dull all of a sudden. And if, if instead of allowing our mind to do that, if, if, if we would just fight that and say, no, wait a minute. I'm sure there's more in that passage that, that I can receive. And this, this was the problem with, with the multitudes. Uh, they, they loved the excitement of the miracles. Uh, they loved to receive the food for their bellies. But the vast majority were not receiving the, the amazing truth and revelation that Jesus was offering. So that's that's part of guarding our heart, keeping our heart. Um, Matthew fifteen eight. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And you know, I, I think that's generally a case where people have been deceived by their heart. I think most of those people who honor the Lord with their lips but their heart is far from Him, they don't think that's the case. They, they don't think their heart is far from the Lord. They, they think they're okay. Uh, and, and so... <laughs> we, we need to be careful because <laughs> anyone can fall into that uh, Matthew 15 a little farther down uh, starting in verse 18 but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles a person for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. And, and what Jesus is speaking to here is, is the difference between an external religion and internal who we are before God. So we we seek to have not just an external form of religion that looks good by what we do. Instead, we seek to be transformed internally so that who we are from that proceeds life rather than these, uh, these evil things that come from from a heart that has not been
transformed. Uh, then the passage that I already alluded to about the greatest commandment loving the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind, Matthew 22, 37. Uh, as I said, God's desire for us is a singleness of heart, an undivided heart that is turned toward Him. Uh, Mark chapter 4. This is the passage with where Jesus was healing the man on the Sabbath. Mark 3, starting in verse 4. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of heart, or their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. And probably not feeling the least bit guilty. So deceived, thinking that they were doing the right thing. Because again, their, their hearts have been deceived. Uh, then let's move on to John. John chapter 7, verse 38. One of Phyllis's favorite verses. <laughs> Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So the question is, what, what is necessary for rivers of living water to flow from the heart? And I think it's, it's that singleness of heart toward the Lord and, and the things of the Lord, His kingdom. If if we if our hearts are somewhat divided, and I think I can say that all of our hearts are somewhat divided, uh, they have affections still toward then other things, uh, so that our heart is not grieved for the lost who who are are without the Lord. And, and, you know, Paul talked about how, how grieved his heart was for his fellow Jewish people who had rejected Jesus uh, to the point where he, he said he, he would give up his own salvation if, if it meant that they would receive Jesus. Now, now that is a heart that, that was singular. 
to the things of, of God, to the heart of God. Uh, so that's that's where we're headed, is is to that kind of heart. Um, here's here's another one that, that's real interesting. Acts chapter eight, starting in verse twenty-one. This is the guy who who wanted to pay. Uh, to, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so he could go do miracles. Uh, you have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. So, People can have a wrong heart even toward the things of God. Uh, we, we can want the right things for the wrong reason, and, and then, then it's not a good thing. Because that's what was happening with, with this guy. Now, and this, this is one of the most important ones uh, for us, I think. Acts chapter 16 uh, about uh, Lydia, Acts sixteen fourteen. Uh, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, leading to her salvation. So who opens the heart? The Lord can open hearts. We can ask him to open our hearts more. We can ask him to open other people's hearts. That's, that's, that's a good way to pray. We can pray that the Lord would open people's hearts to the truth of the gospel. I still have quite a few here, so I'm going <laughs> to try to whittle it down. Um, uh, this this is a, another one that, that we've already alluded to today. Second Corinthians six eleven through thirteen. Paul is writing, We have spoken to you, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. So, Paul is saying, our, our hearts are wide open to you. But some, it's not getting through because you've restricted the openness of your hearts. So if you widen your hearts, you will receive more from us. So it's, it's again similar to that last passage we looked at about Lydia. 
the, the degree to which our hearts are open determines how much we're able to receive. Uh, and then this uh, first Grand, or first Timothy one five. This this is an important one. Uh, again, Paul writing. Uh, the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And and I think that's that's a, a picture into the heart and the desires of God for us. Uh, if that was the goal of Paul's instruction, it's it's a good goal. Uh, to have a pure heart that's filled with the love of God. Uh, there, there aren't many better goals than, than that. Uh, that's the beginning of having rivers of living water. Uh, there, there are no rivers of living water flowing from anyone's heart if they're not filled with love and, and pure because that, that's, uh, that's like the water of, of the rivers. It's, it's love. Uh, there, there's a few insightful ones uh, from Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 10. Uh, Therefore I was provoked with that generation, that is the generation that did not go into the promised land, and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Okay, so there's some things uh, to watch out for with the heart. A heart that goes astray, which can easily happen, and an evil, unbelieving heart. And that's that's what we need to seek the Lord for, is, is to remove any unbelief that remains in in our hearts. Uh, Hebrews 4, 12. This one shows us the importance of the Word of God in understanding the truth of our hearts. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the word of God is is useful (laughs) for the spirit of God to shine light upon what's in our hearts so that he can deal with it <laughs> because we we won't deal with any of the wrong things that are in our hearts that we don't know are there <laughs> until the light 
of God is is shined upon our heart and it's revealed that, that it is there. Um, let's see. I think <laughs> I think I'll quit there and you can uh, you can read the rest um, when you get the notes. Um, <clears throat> But there, there's, a, there's a passage in, in John chapter 2 where Jesus cleaned out the temple. And, and we're familiar with that. But, but here it is, John 2, starting in verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen and poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. I think this is the Jesus with the fire in his eyes. <laughs> and he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away, do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Uh, the, the question that I, I would leave you with is, what, what are you zealous for? Because that, that probably is what your heart is focused on. We, we have to consider what it is that we're giving the attention of our hearts to. What is it that we are giving the affections of our hearts to? Because whatever it is that we're giving our attention will probably have our affection also. And I, I want us to think about our, our need for passion and zeal for the things of God. And, and I'm not where I want to be with, with that. Uh, I, I want to be more zealous for God's kingdom. I, I want to have more passion for his kingdom. Uh, I, I want my heart to be more grieved for the people who don't know Jesus. And, and so, where's our attention, where's our affection? Where's our devotion? What is it that we're devoted to? That's that's what I got today. <laughs> Jeff, you got any words for us today? <laughs> or Constance? 
because it's been banging around in my head for actually quite quite a few years now. It seems to be the verse that the Lord brings to mind in more situations. Is uh, it's in Luke 16? Uh, it's Luke's, It's the second half of Luke 16 and 15. But it's a situation where Jesus is confronting the Pharisees and he says, uh, "For what is highly prized among men is utterly detestable in God's sight." And I think this is you know you're talking really about the tension of the kingdom we live in this world, we live in our broken hearts, our sinful hearts, and yet God calls us to a different thing. We live in this tension constantly. And we live in that tension amongst the world as well. Uh, we live amongst the world that values lots of money and lots of all kinds of things, big crowds, lots of authority, and those kinds of things. And yet God says about those things that in, in, in the King James, it's an abomination to God. And uh, so we live, in, in, as you're talking about today, where our hearts are at. Our hearts are never in a perfect spot, yet we're washed clean by the blood of Jesus, and we live in this tension between how God sees us and what God has planted in us and how we are in our humanness, and we wrestle that all along and we're talking about that wrestling. And Constance and I see that in a big way. We, we live uh, in one particular place where we kind of know how to live in Britain and we come back home here. And we drive around in our motorhome, we go about four or 5,000 miles and visit many, many people. We see people who are poor, we see people who live in ridiculous houses, we see all of the things that are highly valued in America, and we find our heads messed We have to constantly talk ourselves through. You know, we used to be normal middle-class Americans, and we're not that anymore. Uh, and we're used to that. That's how we grew up. You know, that's how we grew up, that's how we live, that's, that's our normal values, that's what looks normal to us. Well, we live really doesn't look normal. And we live in that tension of and I feel that whenever, especially when we come back to America. There's plenty of people in Britain that live in great big, huge houses too, but for some reason, that's not our world. This is our world and what we're used to. So we do live in that tension. God's kingdom is upside down, and, and it really is an uncomfortable shirt. It's like a shirt that never fits quite right. And, uh, and, and I think those of us that are older, a few people here are a little bit older, might even be somebody here older than me, I'm not sure. Uh, I think I, th- I think one of the things that I would say that the Lord's been speaking to the Constance and I for some time, that really those of us that are older, we're supposed to be good at living with this uncomfortable I think the Lord's saying it's never going to be We're never going to be in a place where we know really how to do this. We're just kind of good at living in that squirming, uncomfortable awkwardness of God's kingdom, having come but not yet in its So anybody else? If yeah, if if we're comfortable, we don't need the comforter. across the face of the earth, looking for those whose hearts are turned towards him. 
and sees you guys and saw you here this morning in worship. And Jeff and I were just like delighted. It was like wonderful. We looked at each other and went, it's the best band we've heard in a long time. It was awesome, and it wasn't because you're going to go out and make a CD tomorrow. It's because your hearts are turned towards him. And it was lovely, and it is lovely. And, you know, just getting to see you after how many years. It's been, and just knowing that your heart is turned towards him, and it continues to be turned towards him. And we're all on that journey. And when we run into the conflicts that many of these verses that we went through today, we all experience them, and yet the grace that God gives us on our journey is so amazing. So, I mean, as outsiders coming in and seeing you guys here today, I'm so encouraged because I know that He sees your heart and you extended your welcome to us today, and we got to partake in a little bit of heaven. So, uh, well, why don't we pray? Father, we, we just thank you so much for your mercy, uh, your kindness uh, leads us to repentance, and uh, Father, right now I, I just pray for all of us here that you would open our hearts further uh, to you, to what you're saying, what you're doing. I thank you for how you are transforming us. And we thank you for your life uh, that is in us. And Lord, we even thank you for the tension of, of being your people in the world. And uh, thank you that, that we're not comfortable. Uh, we want more of you. So we ask for more of you. And we ask for more hunger and, and thirst for you. Uh, and, and Lord, we ask for more of your heart for people who don't know you yet. And, and Lord, bless us with boldness and love. Uh, to speak to those people and to, to take your kingdom and your love to them. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in us and among us. We thank you for what you're doing in our city. And we thank you for the turnaround that is happening in the hearts of people in our country and we ask for more. Uh, Lord bless Jeff and Constance and, and their work in England. Uh, bless them on their, their journeys here in, in the U.S. Uh, thank you for bringing them here today. Fill us with your spirit as we go for the glory of your Son. Amen.